passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In 2004... AJ Styles was shaking hands with his opponents in the bingo halls, and I was here becoming the youngest WWE champion ever. In 2005, AJ was down in Florida getting a tan with Dixie Carter while I was here facing The Undertaker at WrestleMania. This isn't the house that AJ Styles built. This house was built long before AJ Styles ever stepped foot in this ring. This is the house that Randy Orton built. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. How are you, Wei? Are you on vacation mode yet? Close to it. I'm all packed. Very close. You're hours away from getting onto a flight. That's right. Yeah, I'm all packed. I'm uh, got my flip flops on. I got my Hawaiian shirt. I'm in shorts. Um, you are still in Toronto, and it's still relatively cold in comparison. To uh, this, so you know that. Whatever. It's actually pretty nice out, to be honest. Temperature is a state of mind. Wow. Well, that's heavy. Great way to start things off. Uh, how would you assess your mental temperature today? 24, 25, you know. Oh, you're doing wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, healthy. Yeah. You've got a nice breeze. You still need a jacket, but it's it's going fine. Um, depends. You know, depends. I would say it's shorts. It's a short, short temperature, shorts temperature. I've seen people out in shorts at the moment, and it's uh, right. Like it's now. not super warm out. It's it's like one degree Celsius out, but in comparison, it feels like the spring already. Yeah, I don't. If that I, makes any sense. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't dare. And uh, yeah. Well, let's get right into things. Do you want to list off all the shows you're going to be missing over the week that you're you're going to be attentively <laughs> uh, listening to? Do you do you want to run through the the schedule? Well, unfortunately, I will not be here for the latest edition of Up Next, which everybody can find on the Up Next feed. And uh, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman, fresh off of his vacation, they will go through the latest edition of the uh, Dusty Classic. What is it? Second round this week? It's this. It's the uh, the semifinals on Wednesday night. And that will set up the uh, the finals, uh, which I, I guess I'm I'm barred from stating what they are. But more interesting Wednesday night is the fact that the television tapings are happening, and 
in theory, the NXT title situation will all be figured out for TakeOver. So they'll probably have lots to talk about on Thursday. Absolutely. Yeah, so if you're a spoiler reader, then I guess you'll find out. But if you're not, which Davey and Braden aren't, listen to Up Next just so you can get caught up on the latest uh, on-air editions of, of NXT. And then on Friday, John, actually, you lied because I will be a part of this show. Our latest Rewind Away, where John and I will be covering WrestleMania 26. That's Sean versus Taker, number two, career versus streak, as well Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. Uh, this was a patron's choice. We threw it out there for all the patrons, and you guys chose this very lengthy show. So thank you guys. Right before my vacation, adding <laughs> yeah, this extra here's four, four hours. hours. Knock yourself out. No, we live Vince McMahon and Bret Hart. No, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I John, and I, uh, <laughs> I will be back on Friday uh, just to record this show, and I have a feeling it'll be uh, great fun because John, you and I have a personal connection to the show. We worked on the survival of the Hitman documentary. Uh, covering Bret Hart's return to the WWE uh, in the lead-up to this pay-per-view. So we'll have a lot of personal anecdotes, and uh, I look forward to having you all hear about that. That's uh, Friday on the Post Wrestling Cafe, our Patreon feed. It's a bonus show. But on the free feed on Saturday, it's the latest edition of the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show. This is Nate Milton's the, the long it potentially the the longest running series uh in our entire post wrestling family because who knows when the rock will be finished making movies he is committing to reviewing one of dwayne johnson's movies a month for eternity so this is number three this is walking tall and, and who's joining him he is going to be joined by uh, garrett martin from paste magazine and our good friend Chris from L.A. is also going to be on the show this coming Saturday. So you're right. This could be the longest running series uh, in our show's history because um, I, I feel that uh, years and years down the road when Dwayne Johnson is uh, not walking tall but walking with, with a hunchback, he'll still be doing Fast and the Furious uh, invades outer space. Uh, yeah. I feel like they're ready for that by now. You know, the next one, I think, kind of goes into space, I believe. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. I haven't seen the trailer, but my friends were talking about it. Like, there is a science fiction element, it sounds like, to it. Unless they were just totally playing around with me. I believe it. Like, it's just a matter of time before they get there. I guess how fast can you really go in space? And how furious could you possibly be when there's so many other things to worry about? Like, oxygen? Yeah, like I does just, Nas does not Nas work in space? Uh, I I don't know. Does he? <laughs> no, Nas like the 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 gas that they use in Fast and Furious. <laughs> I thought you meant the rapper. <laughs> I don't think he works in space. I think he's still in in Queens. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. so anyway, look Nate forward to will, that. The, Nate will take us into the uh, the terrain that is the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah. Uh, which there is a new one coming out in August with Hobbs and Shaw. Are you going to go see that? Yeah, that's a spinoff, but I'll watch it. Absolutely. Roman Reigns is in it? Yes, that's right. Yep. Um, but anyway, before all of that, on the Post Wrestling Cafe right now is our latest edition of The Double Shot. Correct. Where tonight we are going through the latest edition of Total Bellas with a shocking announcement. Like, forget Kurt Angle's retirement send-off. Forget about Batista stating his last matches at WrestleMania. It is the Brie Bella retirement show on Total Bellas this week. So yes, Way is. is going to take us through that entire ride from Sunday night. 
Yeah, and I look forward to it. Also, Being the Elite will be covered. I'm going to go through a recent... Uh, uh, the, the Fight Network has actually posted up all of their season three of their retrospective series that our friend uh, George Barbosa has uh, been part of the, the team putting those together. So I actually watched one of them uh, with the interview with Abyss. So I was going to talk a bit about that on oh, the Double cool. Shot tonight, as well as an interview with a uh, now former WWE writer, uh, Kazim Famuide, who just recently left the company. And he did this really interesting interview on the Rassle Rap podcast on the MLW Network. So uh, I thought there were some really interesting notes from that interview as well. So uh, less wrestling content. I'm going to be talking about people's words on the Double Shot tonight. So I hope people enjoy it. And... At the end, I'll quickly run through the ROH pay-per-view, which is coming up Friday night that myself and Mike Murray will have a review of. Plus, we'll have Ian Riccoboni on the site later this week chatting about that pay-per-view because he'll be calling that show with a mystery color commentator because Colt Cabana is on the New Japan Tour. So maybe we'll get Ian to spill the beans on who he is calling this show with. Oh, I hope you, I hope you do. Wow, great. Very exciting. Uh, all that's coming out. And uh, yeah, the double shot is available on the Post Wrestling Cafe, which is our Patreon. $6 a month gets you t- uh, access to a bunch of bonus shows, at least two a week. That's it? $6? Just $6. What a steal. Uh, Moving on. Yeah. All right. What else is going on? The raw number, they did 2,818,000 viewers. This was their second highest number of the year. And it was a rare week where the second hour actually was slightly ahead of the first hour, and they didn't have some enormous drop in the third hour. It was only down 4% from the second hour, and I attribute a lot of that to teasing that Roman Reigns was going to have his first match back since, uh, or his first match on Raw since the comeback. And I think so far there's there's a lot of interest in Roman Reigns at the t- at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, coming off of Fastlane, there, there's a bit of interest there as well. But, you know, the uh, yeah, I guess the Shield, um, I think, was uh, help, certainly helped things. Do you think uh, anything else might have contributed to that growth? I, I think that there was a genuine interest in, like, there was a lot um, promoted on this show, like, between the, the, the face-to-face with Batista and Hunter that they saved for the second hour, the... Uh, they kind of hinted at like an announcement from Kurt Angle, and I think the big thing was Roman Reigns wrestling. That uh, for whatever reason, the people they stuck with the show, and we've seen so many examples where they've promoted big things for the third hour, and it doesn't matter what they put in that third hour. There's an enormous drop, and they avoided that this week. So I think that's a big win, and I I definitely attribute that to Roman Reigns. Mm. So. Uh, a, a good sign of things uh, still down like a big amount when you look at where they were last year to this year, like it's 16% less people watching. Hmm. Uh, we have Conor McGregor. He is out on bail. Uh, it was set at $12,500. He's going to have his arraignment hearing on April the 10th. So maybe they'll do a live eye pay-per-view or something like that for the arraignment hearing. And Roman Reigns has been announced for the WWE's European tour. And, that's about it. There was not a, a crazy amount of news going on today, which means way something gigantic is going to happen on Wednesday, I bet. Oh, probably by the time we post this show. Yeah. It'll be five minutes after it posts, uh, after we put the show up that um, uh, someone will request their release. Um, I, oh, did you see um, whatever. Dash Wilder did an interview and stated that the, the story of the revival asking for their release it was lost in translation. 
Okay. I don't know what that means. It was lost in translation. Maybe they asked their, for the release in a different language. <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour, yeah. Monsieur McMahon. Maybe they speak Chinese in their spare time. <laughs> uh, that was a pretty good way. That was very funny. Uh, so there you go. That's the news. You can go catch all of it at postwrestling.com. Uh, that was the other thing. While I was uh, thinking out loud about this Kurt Angle retirement match, what, what are the odds you peg at it being Angle and Finn Balor against Lashley and Baron Corbin? I know that doesn't sound like a very attractive match, but the more I thought about it today, I could very much see that being the match. Sorry, is that just a tag team match or, or is it? Yeah, wrestling? tag team match. It's very. I know awesome. it sounds really unspectacular, but I'm not expecting a spectacular uh, pairing with Angle and somebody that's going to light everyone's world on fire. I think yeah. it's just getting all these people onto the card and listen. I think that would. I mean, I don't doubt that they they would consider something like that. But I think in that scenario, you make four people happy. I suppose because they each get to be on the card. But I think you're also making like diminishing the the value of that match to something that's not much more important than a raw match and as such you're you're basically putting a raw level match on a wrestlemania i mean i guess the push you know it depends on the build they can make it seem very important but it feels like they all have their separate stories going on i mean they're linked though like you do have the link between corbin and lashley and you know a pseudo one with angle and, and balor what, i'm just looking at there? like i i don't know what lashley and balor do unless they're part of something like that, because they are not getting their own singles match. And God knows we don't need, I, I mean, it's like battle Royal for those guys. If it's not something like a tag match with those four. Yeah. I mean, I, I would almost rather a multi-man match if you're going to do that and have angle, perhaps eh, even a retirement match like that might not. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, we'll see. We will see what, what's happening. I, I would, I don't know. I'm not, I just don't know what the the big options are. It seems that pretty much everyone's accounted for. So that takes us to SmackDown. Tuesday night from Dayton, Ohio at the Nutter Center. The show oh, started there's up. a good arena name. The Nutter Center. Hey, we're going down to the Nutter. I, I'd be proud if that was in my city. The Nutter Center. Shane McMahon came out and was booed vociferously. He said, uh, the announcer stated that the Miz is at home recovering from his brutal attack and consoling his father. Shane is in the ring with the best in the world trophy, lots of booze, and he brings Greg Hamilton into the ring to introduce him as the best in the world, Shane McMahon. And Greg doesn't do it well enough for Shane, who threatens him to redo it. And then he gets him to do it a third time. Say it with conviction. And each time Greg Hamilton introduced him, it got louder and louder boos. He grabbed him by the neck, too, like he was physically threatening him. Yeah, yeah, he was threatening uh, poor Greg here, the uh, the blue belt Shane McMahon. And he then gave his explanation for the turn. All these years, in his 49 years, he's he's sick of all these wrestlers and people that work at this company always wanting Shane to help them get ahead in life. How to get stock options and get ahead. He says that he's not the best in the world because he won a trophy or won the tag titles. He was born that way. And he's no longer doing anything for anyone. 
Mm-hmm. What did you think about this rationale? That he's sick of people asking him for shit. He's tired of doing favors for people. Even though this guy is not a executive anymore in this company. Maybe he should have uh, looked up the uh, the executive titles that he does not hold one. In kayfabe, in kayfabe he is. He's part well, I guess of the so, authority. but I, I thought I thought the kayfabe world ended in WWE. Well, it depends who you ask. I guess it still exists for Shane. Uh, but you know, even beyond that, though, he's he's talking about just in being a part Vince McMahon's son, being part of the McMahon family, having people try to hit him up for jobs or or whatever. I like the rationale. You know, I I think it's believable. Um, I and and so did the Miz want stock? Is that what he wanted? <laughs> No, he needed Shane to help earn validation for his father. He was, you know, th- Shane looks at it as Miz using him in order to earn his father's respect, I suppose. Right. Yes. He then recaps the attack on Sunday and refers to Miz's father in his big potato face watching the attack. And he said that that look lit a spark in him that will never go away and enjoyed attacking the Miz. So he wants to continue that feeling at WrestleMania. And he's telling the Miz that this match will happen because you work for me. And he's going to give him another beating and it will feel awesome. I thought this was really good. You know, the last time we saw Shane as a heel, he was still playing that bratty kid from Greenwich. Like, but now he's a man He's he's the author, authoritative figure, and I thought he was really scary. Like, he plays a guy now who's, like, deranged, who snaps because he's so sick of people asking him for shit. And I thought Shane played it really well here, you know? Like, he was doing it with, with a much more kind of, like, Randy Orton, you know, uh, like, I'm going to kill you type of edge. The way he was threatening Greg Hamilton, the way he was, like, you know, delivering this promo to The Miz. I thought it was really good. It was a fine promo. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think that over the years, I think Shane has just become a very likable character. That I think this is, um, it, it was too significant a change. Yeah, because he snapped. Well, he, he, he obviously did. Uh, no, it was a fine promo. I'm not, uh, I'm not complaining about it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, as far as like the build goes, I, I feel like this is probably like the best built program leading to WrestleMania, because it's certainly not Becky versus Charlotte versus Ronda anymore. You know, Kofi, it remains to be seen. Um, I think they're doing a really good job with that one too, but, it, you know, that's still relatively fresh, and they didn't necessarily start with that in mind. This was something that they created. Like, it seems to be something that they started, and it seems to have peaked now at the time that they wanted it to peak. I guess my other question is, was this always a plan since Crown Jewel? Or how did this, what was that initial plan supposed to be when this, this best in the world tournament initially I mean, the idea at that time was like Shane turning heel and then they kind of stopped it at that point. I don't know if uh, you're going back that early that Miz was designated as his WrestleMania opponent, but um, like that was certainly like they kind of curbed the, the heel turn at that point because that seemed fairly obvious like where they were going. So are they only are they basically picking back up after that small delay? I mean, they're getting to this destination, which is Shane of the heel. So I guess so. And I mean, with 
I guess the Shane replacing the Miz in that best in the world tournament. And then like really the next week, like already kind of, you know, drawing this association between the Miz and Shane. Doesn't it feel like they were at least, you know, trying to build to this even back then? Well, I mean, there was like the sharing of, of the trophy. Um, but remember, it wasn't until like it was like the Christmas Smackdown that they agreed to team up. Um, like, I, I honestly don't know if they were thinking this far ahead for Shane's WrestleMania opponent or if it was just something that I mean, by the time they teamed up, I'm sure that this was probably where things were going, because I think everyone saw it telegraphed that there would be a turn at some point. And, you know, the the team, like, it really worked. Like, those segments were, were very compelling. I think people got into this. And I put a lot of that into that first Miz promo about the relationship with his dad and people. They didn't hit you over the head, but everyone connected the dots with Shane and Vince that here's a cool angle that people can t- viably get into and believe. Yeah. And, you know, whereas most of this, like, angle has been The Miz talking and Shane just kind of standing there being like, yep, yep, yep. Like, now it's Shane's turn to do the heavy lifting. He's the one who has to, you know, cut these, like, scathing heel promos in order to get The Miz to come back. I'm really interested to see, like, how The Miz will fare as a babyface, like, fighting from under. You know, he's been pretty good just, like, you know, talking about dad and whatnot. But now he has to, like make you sympathetic and make you feel like he's really pissed off and out for revenge. And to me, that's kind of new for the Miz. I've never seen him be able to do something like that. Um, but he's been successful so far. So, so we'll see how he responds next week. Eight man tag, Alistair Black, Ricochet and the Hardys took on Shinsuke Nakamura, Rusev and the bar. Tom Phillips brought up a stat. According to ESPN, Rusev has lost on 17 straight pay-per-views over the past two years. Oh, wow. What a, what a stat to bring up. It's quite the streak. Quite the streak, yeah. yeah. It's stunning that Rusev Day cooled off the way it did. Man, is that true? Damn. He hasn't had a pay-per-view win in that long. I, I mean, I didn't go and cross-reference this, but... Uh... This was according to ESPN, Tom Phillips said. Wow. 17 straight pay-per-view losses over the two-year span. That's incredible that throughout all this Rusev stuff, um, the Rusev Day popularity, (laughs) this guy never won on a pay-per-view even. Hmm. So they had the heat on Jeff Hardy for a long, long time. Then Ricochet got the the tag coming in. He's knocked down by Rusev. They go through the commercial. Uh, Byron mentions the great shape Matt Hardy's in. He's lost 15 pounds. He actually Hardy's- like did an interview on .com talking about his his regimen. He he basically he said he like I mean obviously he's working on his diet, but he stops eating after like I don't know eight or ten o'clock or something like that at night. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's not. Uh, is that that? Uh, that sounds pretty normal. Do you eat a lot after 10 p.m.? I'm the wrong person to ask. Oh, yeah, you are kind of the anomaly out <laughs> there. Breakfast. I think most people, you, you don't really have a big meal after 10 o'clock p.m. at night. Well, there's probably more to it than how I'm conveying it. But anyway, good for him. It worked. Uh, the Hardys double-teamed Cesaro. There is a poetry in motion, side effect. Everyone's hitting moves and goes down. Ends with Jeff Hardy going for the swanton. Hits it onto Cesaro, but it's broken up by everybody. All eight men are in the ring when New Day runs in, and the match gets thrown out. 
Uh, big reaction as New Day comes out, and they end up beating up all the heels. The baby faces are out, and they clear the ring, ending with Kofi hitting the Trouble in Paradise to Rusev. So it's the, uh, the harder-edged New Day that we had been clamoring for. Not taking shit any longer. Get this tag match out of the ring. No pancakes. Yeah. No pancakes. This is it. No. What we want. I don't know why they got involved here, because they had nothing to say. They just, uh, they disappeared. It's true. I was expecting a promo or something. <laughs> oh. It's just, ah, this match sucks. They probably just watched a lot of, like, um, WCW, and they're like, you know what? Like, let's let's just throw this out. Let's just do Who it. Who do we want to beat in this match? No one. All right. New Day. I, I didn't even mind. I, I, I thought it, it got the, the message across with the New Day that these guys are pissed, and tonight they're not putting up with any more. So that was it. I, yeah. I feel like, though, you, like, why not position this before Vince comes out? And then having them demand talking to Vince. Uh, no, instead they had Vince summon the New Day, who yeah. waited patiently for their time all night long. Well, they're polite. They're the polite day. Um, then the Usos cut a promo in the stairwell, and they kind of just dismissed all these teams with the exception of the Hardys, who they said are brothers, just like them, but not as good as them. Uh, it kind of seemed like they're not really that interested in the other teams. It was just the Hardys. It seems to me like that might be the match. The Usos versus the Hardys. And... Uh, I really like the New Day's, or sorry, the the Usos promo. Um, they continue to just be so cool and at the same time, like, so smooth within their delivery. But this, to me, seemed like a challenge. It seemed like the Usos challenging the Hardys. Which I, I don't really mind if they were to go that direction. I'm not clamoring for all these multi-person matches. And if you are, like, this is the other thing, when I kind of listed out everything today in my update, is that if you are doing... The Andre Battle Royal, you do need bodies for that. And it's not the the fun match to be pegged for, but like that's where your bars and Rusev's and Shinsuke's would end up. And um and Alistair Black and Ricochet seem like they're more tied to the raw tag division, which even all those guys could end up in the Andre Battle Royal too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I would expect uh Ricochet and, and Black on Mania. I mean, certainly they're getting a huge push, but I, I think they have to be at this point. Like, they're a pushed act Don't on you? both uh, shows. Yeah, you know, they're going to be on TakeOver, though. Uh, they could be. Yeah, I guess we don't know yet. It's not. Uh, we won't know till after Wednesday if they are on TakeOver. I, I expect them on Mania. I mean, they're they're pretty prominent at this point. Um, So, in some form or fashion, though, it'd be unfortunate if they just end up in something like a Battle Royal. But we will see. If they're Tag divisions, do- I guess, are kind of up in the air for what what happens but yeah tonight felt more like an Usos Hardy's direction yeah then Randy Orton comes out you ready to go through this way he asks if this is the house that AJ Styles built he says in 2002 AJ was wrestling for $10 a night in a gymnasium in front of 10 people while he was here making his WWE debut and in 2004 AJ was shaking hands with opponents in bingo halls while he was becoming the youngest champion ever. And in 2005, he was down in Florida getting a tan with Dixie Carter while he was here facing The Undertaker. And he's been here all those years since. He's been a champion. And this house was built a long time before AJ ever got here. This is the house that Randy Orton built. 
Mm-hmm. And had several wellness violations in that time period too, and anger management issues too. Mm-hmm. What a promo this was. I don't know um, how much of this wa- uh, went over people's heads and others that probably just loved all these references. But uh, what, what did you think of the first half of this before AJ came out? I really liked it. I I think it's a promo designed for uh, their, who they consider to be their current fan base. And I think that's like the fan base that's on the internet. The fan base that's like, you know, followed somebody like AJ Styles through his career from Ring of Honor to, uh, you know, Dixie Carter's uh, tanning salon in Florida. Um, How many people heard that and thought that AJ used to be part of, like, he was a production assistant on Designing Women with the actress. Yeah, Dixie maybe. Carter. I yeah, I know. It's it's. Like, I'm serious, it's Dixie possible. Carter. Like, yeah, there's obviously going to be uh, a decent amount of the audience that knows that name, but I think there's a number uh, of a show that does 2.2 million people every week. I think there's a sizable chunk that have ne- have no idea who Dixie Carter is. It's very possible, John, but. Like in this scenario, they chose not to cater to everybody and they chose to cater to the people that did know that reference so that those people would enjoy this more. And I mean, you know, seeing like gifs of of this and seeing mentions of this on Twitter, I feel like they were successful, you know, and I, I, I liked the promo. I thought it was like Orton who thinks it's bullshit that this guy is claiming to be the franchise of SmackDown. When Orton's been there since 2002, obviously Orton's, you know, wrong because uh, Orton, for to me, no part of his career felt like the franchise player of SmackDown. Whereas AJ, at least in the current incarnation of SmackDown, has real claim to that to that moniker. So, you know, but that disagreement, I find very believable. I think, listen, I think that this is a interesting way to go about it. And you're picking maybe the best person in Randy Orton to be that guy with the disdain yeah. for the indie guys. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I will say that for people that look at NXT and make the argument that, well, this is this is catering to a niche audience and it would never appeal to the masses. Here we have a WrestleMania program that is very much being designed for that quote-unquote niche audience, which I wouldn't even argue is all that niche for who is watching WWE programming today. Sure. Is that wrong? I, I don't think it is. I think it's fine to have a program like this that is, there's no problem in my mind having one feud that you're going for a specific audience that's going to have a much bigger reaction to this than others. Um, and the audience that doesn't get this, there's plenty of other programs that are going to be um, more catered to them. Is it, do you think like something, you know, like mentioning DC Carter, is that any worse than like, Mentioning, you know, like, because I just watched Total Bellas, like Ronda Rousey mentioning Nikki Bella's breakup with John Cena. That's not covered on their actual broadcast that you would have to kind of follow the Internet or go through an, an outside source in order to 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 understand, to catch that reference. I, I wouldn't compare it to that because I think so many people know about their relationship. Like that's a like that's a mainstream like when they broke up, that was covered everywhere. So I think enough people know that they are a couple and they did they did do the stuff on television with with Cena and and Nikki at WrestleMania a few years ago too. They never did the breakup though. Uh they never did the breakup, but I feel that got like quite a lot of coverage that people at least knew it. 
And it certainly got reactions when they did the line. But if you mentioned the name Dixie Carter in a wrestling circle, like in that in that building, I feel like it, it would get a big reaction like that, too. Well, AJ comes out and he says, for someone that looks down on the indies, you sure followed my career closely. And he says that he's heard guys like Orton weren't built for his world. They were just made for WWE. And he tells Orton, you wouldn't have made it in my world and mocks Randy's pose that he's gotten by with and a knockoff diamond cutter. Orton then asks How about, about that one. I I thought I thought that these I, the I think people cutter. got into What's these that? lines. What, a knockoff diamond cutter? But well, like how many people who don't know who Dixie Carter is would know what a diamond cutter is? I mean, it was a pretty prominent wrestling move. But if if you're a new fan, who wasn't watching when DDP was doing the diamond cutter? How would you know that? Well, I think that not everyone's going to get that line. I, I think I would honestly believe way in that building, way more people know what a diamond cutter is than Dixie Carter. I feel like it's about the same number of people. Could be. We'll take a Could poll. Be. All right. I think we're asking our audience is probably the wrong people to ask. Yeah, it's true. We'll fly. To uh, hey, you know what? Everybody listening to this, ask your non-wrestling friends, your your children, your your wives, your husbands who don't watch wrestling. Do you know what who Dixie Carter is? Do you know what a diamond cutter is? Chances are they'll probably say no to both. But we need to do a survey to see yeah. this this feud. Uh, who? How many it's resonating with? Orton asks about AJ's indie pals ripping people off, and does the too sweet sign. Styles says, well, Randy, you're surrounded by my indie pals because they earned their right to be here and they didn't have to go to their dad to get a job. Styles says that in his first that in Randy's first year here, he had the help of Triple H, Ric Flair and Batista to ensure that he didn't fail. And Orton comes back saying that by 24, he accomplished more in his career than AJ's ever done. He lists off lists off his accomplishments, his rumble wins, his many appearances and Styles brings up all the the groups Orton's been a part of where he's had guys helping him. Evolution. He said, remember Legacy? That people <laughs> forgot about that one. This whole thing was like catering to the people who have been watching everything. Oh, know? totally. Like, you know what the Diamond Cutter is. You know what the Two Sweet Sign is. You know what Legacy is. You know what Rated RKO is. You know, so this was this program is designed. It's not designed at all, really, for a new fan. And he says that he had a lot of babysitters all these years, and then he would toss those people to the curb. And he's not going to be Orton's next victim. Orton says, "In this house, I'm the landlord, and rent due, you son of a bitch." And you can make that check out to RKO. Style says, "If he wants his rent." And he points to the WrestleMania sign, come and take it. Rent due on April 7th. I thought this was great. Like, to me, this was a great pro wrestling promo exchange. They didn't have to say, oh, hey, uh, AJ Styles, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're both their real names. But they didn't have to call each other. Like, <laughs> hey, <you> Alan. <laughs> like, yeah, they didn't have to, like, you know, break kayfabe and, or whatnot. This was just, like, good Good guy versus like good bad guy drawing from each other's history. It's the one guy thinking he deserves to be the 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 leader or or called the leader of the brand. Another guy who doesn't think he deserves it. Um, I thought it was great, and you know what? This was an example of a scripted promo that I thought 
was awesome. And and I think Randy Orton is one of those people who really flourishes within he, he's a system great in this like role. this. I think over the next month, Randy's going to have some great stuff to to lead into this. Like he is, if you're going to do a story like this, Randy Orton is the is maybe the best guy on the roster to do it with. Yeah, I thought he like his delivery was so good here, and uh, you know, like if it did not feel improvised to me, but like that doesn't take away from like this was probably better because it wasn't improvised, and and I think certain guys work better within that system than others. Orton is one of these guys that works better within this system. I want next week Randy Orton to be on his iPad and he's watching like some just botchamania and just laughing at these these geeks and guys doing all these flips. I, I think there's some great stuff you could do. I with want Randy. him to be on, on New Japan World uh, with his uh, New Japan Cup bracket. Who, who's this Will Ocean Spray? Oh, what man. the fuck is this guy? Oh, that'd be great. So... No, no, I, 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 I thought that they, I, I enjoyed the segment. I thought it was very entertaining mm-hmm. from both of these guys. And you're right; they never, to me, uh, went outside the lines of the, like trying to do any of the stupid fake shoot stuff that just I, I think people are kind of burned out on at the moment. It's just two contrasting styles, two, pardon the pun, two completely different people, and you have like a central issue that I think both guys have a lot to sink their teeth into uh, leading into this match at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm very looking, I'm very much looking forward to Randy's stuff uh, over the next month. They recapped Harlem heat going into the hall of fame, uh, including a photo of diamond Dallas Pageway. <laughs> Oscar versus Sonia Deville. With Mandy Rose in her corner. Dixie has uh, to make her way to like. Oh, an I thought of it. I, I completely thought of this. I mean. Uh, oh, to the angle, you, to the, to the, to the uh, SmackDown, you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That means Claire Lynch can't be far behind. Oh, man. That'd be great. Oscar and Sonya Deville, they traded kicks at the beginning. Deville hit a spear. And then uh, Oscar lifts up Deville. Drills her with a knee, hits a running one, and then hits Rose with a baseball slide dropkick. She was going for DeVille, who got out of the way, and Rose got taken out. And Rose is upset, so she pulls at the ring skirt, and Sonya was supposed to slip on the ring skirt. And all I'm going to say is that I, I think we should retire the ring skirt spots for these two, because they have been uh, just disastrous in execution. Mm-hmm. She barely like moved from this, but it allowed Oscar to apply the Oscar lock and tap out Deville in 2:40. And Rose and Deville argued after the match, and Rose left without Deville. I totally agree with you. You know this ring skirt thing received no reaction on Sunday, and I thought the reaction was even worse this week. Um, I guess they maybe they had to do it because like Mandy was, you know, Mandy had to do the same thing to Sonia that Sonia did to her, but um, it received very little reaction from the audience and. I think the sad part is that in all of this, it makes Asuka the champion just a complete <laughs> background player, yep. you know, to a ring skirt angle. There was nothing teased for Asuka tonight. Like, other people were at least getting hints of what they're doing at WrestleMania. There is nothing um, three weeks out being hinted for Asuka. Yeah. I mean, do you think that she's done now with DeVille and Sonya or, or DeVille and Mandy or, or is there more with the three of them? 
I have two guesses as to what happens with Deville and Rose. I really don't like these two breaking up because I think they're going to be lost without one another. That I wonder if that could be, um, this could be the cue for Paige to come back and she resurrects these two as a as a tag team, and then they're because I think these two are much better together as a team than separate. They are, yeah, sure. But I feel like the way they're trying to push Mandy, they're they she doesn't necessarily feel like somebody who you know, needs a manager or could even use a manager like Paige. Mm. Like she's like the, you know, the, like the, the, the woman who like has uh, the spotlight on her and everybody else around her is blurred out of focus. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know where these two end up um, mm. coming out of this. Do they even have a program at WrestleMania? Deville and Rose? Yeah. I, I can't I can't imagine. Probably just for the Battle Royal, I yeah. would guess. Yeah, something like that. The Iconics cut a promo, mocking the disagreement that Deville and Rose had, and then they shift their attention to the Boss and Hug Connection, who are avoiding them. They're not impressed with their title defense from this Sunday at Fastlane, and they want a title match here on SmackDown. So, looks like Bailey and Sasha may be doing a match on SmackDown in the next week or two. Seems to be, yeah. Becky Lynch came out. She tossed her crutch away and limped down the ramp. She's got a new WrestleMania t-shirt that will probably buy this woman a new house by the end of WrestleMania season. She pretty much just mocks the storyline, how she's been suspended. She was then unsuspended. Then she was suspended again. She was in the WrestleMania match, out of the WrestleMania match, but now she's back in the main event. Oh, yeah. Like she. This was a hell of a recap. Oh, she was just like basically mocking her own stupid writing. And, uh, uh, you know, like she's been doing the same essentially on her Twitter. Oh man. I, I can't believe that I didn't put two and two together last night when we had that, that, that mug shot of Connor, the instinct comparison to Becky's angle recently, but Becky was all over that today. Yes. Becky says that Charlotte has been shoehorned into this match and she had to earn her way in twice winning at the Royal rumble. And then the second time playing Ronda Rousey, like a fiddle. And asks, do you know how hard it is to play mind games on a woman with no brain? <laughs> and she pretty much explained that she was so injured in this match, she got Rhonda to get emotional and basically backdoor Becky into the title match. <sighs> That's quite the plan. So... I'm going to be in so much pain, and then I'm going to be nearly submitted, and that is when Rhonda will come. I don't even want to try to think about Becky's logic throughout the past month and how this might have been a plan all along. Oh, Listen, none of this, in, in actuality, none of these angles are going to be remembered afterwards. The only thing people are going to remember, remember is the same thing they remember with Daniel Bryan going into WrestleMania 30. It's true, yeah. But I mean, That's realistically all people are going to remember, which... In this day and age, it's like the angles are, we're just filling television time. Do you remember Deborah being the Rock's manager at <laughs> WrestleMania 17? Uh, and being written off before WrestleMania 17, so she never even came out with them. But you're right, like the biggest match in that era for that WrestleMania involved Deborah being the Rock's manager. What the fuck was that? Man. Anyway. Terrible idea. Charlotte comes out 
And she states that while Becky's been injured and suspended, she's been putting in all the work. It's easy to be hot for six months, but she's been hot for four years. And everyone feels sorry for Becky because she got a handout. And Charlotte's the one making them all relevant. Becky calls Charlotte a plastic face dope. And they don't need a queen. They need the man. And she is the reason this match is the main event at WrestleMania. And Charlotte just kind of nodded. And that was the end of the segment. It was just a decent exchange, I felt. You know, uh, like this, to me, like is a program that that is in need of a bit of rehabbing in order to get to the height that I felt like they were at right off after the Rumble, a little bit after that. I don't feel like this segment alone was really enough to recover any of that. I was looking for a bit more fire from Becky. I was looking for more of exchange from the two of them. This was fine, but I don't think it really elevated things all that much. Maybe we're going to get Ronda cutting a promo telling us that the Holly Holm fight was a work. Damn. Wow. She she was just putting over the new baby face while she was going to be taking time off. Man. So she's actually never lost in a in a in a in a legit fight, which is what we're going to get at WrestleMania. All right. Kayla was backstage with Daniel Bryan and Rowan coming out of Vince McMahon's office, and he just gave his feedback to Vince about Kofi Kingston. And in turn, Vince put them into a tag match tonight with Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali. R-Truth was supposed to take on Samoa Joe for the United States title, but it was explained during this match that it is card subject to change for the McMahons. Okay. No title match. It's a tag match tonight. Samoa Joe and Andrade versus Rey Mysterio and R-Truth. Joe has R-Truth, or sorry, Ray in the crossface after a commercial break, and Ray is in it with Andrade, hit a code red. Vega tried to grab at Ray, so Carmella pulled Vega to the floor. Truth comes in, five-knuckle shuffle. He goes for the AA as Joe tags himself in. Ray then sets up both Joe and Andrade, hits the double 619. Corey Graves mocks Ray Mysterio's gear, saying Ray thinks he can just do anything. Uh, he was wearing these, like, pink pants, and it had this thong design over top of them. And Graves was not going to let this gear slide, even for Rey Mysterio. It was very bizarre-looking gear. Was this supposed to be a movie reference or anything? I have no idea. Um, this was not Avatar? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it was Striptease. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a 90, then ca- there's a 90s reference. Damn. Yeah. Jesse Spano. I got. I no, guess the '90s girls. reference today is uh, Lori Laughlin. What, what story that is? What? What happened? There's this. Uh, there was this. The FBI uncovered this huge scam for these students getting into colleges, and it's involving like all these like rich people getting their kids into colleges, and like this this scam that it's not directly involving the the schools, but it's people that. It's like affecting like test scores and um, two of the people implicated are Felicity Huffman, uh, the actress from, oh man, she's been on a bunch of stuff, and Lori Laughlin, Becky Donaldson. Lori Laughlin is going to college? House. Her kids. Oh, her kids. Oh, okay, okay. So she was charged for paying for her kids, wait, to get into college? G- Read the story. It's it's much more complex than that. It's uh, like they were 
like this was pretty much um like manipulating the system to oh, be able bribing, to bribing in order to get yeah, to the Yeah, yeah, there's like bribery charges, like there's like criminal charges involved in this. Whoa. Story. Damn. Yeah, it was a big story today. Uh Ray counters a Urinagi and rolls up Samoa Joe and pins him. And they push that Ray should get a title match coming out of this. So um this was like this felt like a big change because you go from Joe versus Truth to a tag match where Rey Mysterio pins the champion. Yeah, certainly. So that seemed like a, a big shift. And yeah, this felt like Joe is going to be involved with all of these guys for the U.S. title. That's sort of what I was left with after this. How about you? Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't necessarily dismiss the other two, uh, Truth no. and Andrade, from continuing in this feud. Like, they didn't leave frame. You know, it wasn't just a spotlight on Rey Mysterio. Everybody was still involved kind of at the end. Um, to me, it was like... First of all, I, I like the match a lot. You know, I love these four together. Like, to me, everybody kind of brings something different. Ray, high-flying, of course. Truth with, like, you know, like the Cena stuff, I think, is, like, makes for some entertaining. And Joe with the power moves. And I, Andrade, I guess, with a bit of everything. But I think the four of them have really good chemistry together. And if they continue to be in the mix with each other heading into WrestleMania, I'm really not going to complain because the matches are, have been great. Um I was a little surprised because I thought Joe in previous weeks showed shades of, of a babyface turn. You know, to me, he was playing to the crowd a lot more, cutting those like uh, very fan friendly promos of him just being like, you know, tearing everybody apart. And this was just a like a straight up heel, you know, Samoa Joe beating up the smaller man, Rey Mysterio. Um, you know, if it's Joe versus Rey, I think that would be to me my my best case scenario. Um, that to me is like a dream match. One of your top heels in the company against one of the best baby faces of all time. But um, if the others are involved, it wouldn't be so bad either. I, I left this show thinking that the multi-person title match may be the U.S. title and not the tag titles. And this is also, if you're doing a multi-person for the U.S. title, um, I, I think that that's where Owens and Ali could end up as well. Sure. Yeah. And you do some big in. multi-person match for the U.S. title and it's all like it'll be a great match. Based on the talent involved. And how about, how about a ladder, guys? You know, you have them lying around, you know? Just like, they're just sitting there. Come on. R-Truth can be confused. He brings down a stamp because he thought it's a letter match. Letter match. Afterwards, Joe hit Truth with a Urinagi and delivered one to Andrade as well. So yeah, keeping them attached to the story as well. So... You would think coming out of this that these four are all going to be connected at WrestleMania. But mm. We'll see. Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali. They had the advantage on Ali at the beginning. Bryan hit a butterfly suplex off the top and went for the LaBelle lock, but Ali got to the rope, and Bryan yells at Charles Robinson, I have until five. There you go, everybody. <laughs> Back in those bingo halls where he was shaking everybody's hands. Ali hits a backstabber. Rowan breaks the cover up. Owens then comes in, hits a super kick. They double super kick Rowan to the floor. It was a uh, super kick party from these two. Rowan then tosses Owens into the barricade, and Rowan tags himself in and takes Ali, applies the claw, and slams him down to the mat, and Rowan pins Ali. And poor Ali and Owens. They just felt like they were, uh, this was their removal from the main event scene. I know. Owens especially felt like a real afterthought coming out of yeah. all this. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I guess you would have expected something a bit more for both of them, considering, you know, the, the odds that both of them... Like, glowing reviews, I thought, for these two. And the story from everybody seemed to be that, despite, you know, the the kind of hostile environment they were placed under, both Ali and Owens did tremendously. And, unfortunately, this didn't really feel like any type of reward. Uh, it just felt like just, you know, a part of, they had to fulfill another role in the storyline. Um, do you think it might potentially lead to something between Rowan and Ali or Owens? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't see-, see that really carrying itself at like for something like WrestleMania to have Rowan involved. I, I almost feel like Ali and Owens, their best placement is to get into that U S title scene. And Rowan is just more Brian's second, because I just feel like Rowan with Ali and Owens feels like something for television. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then Vince McMahon came out as Brian and Rowan were leaving, and he's here to offer Kingston a chance to wrestle for the title at WrestleMania. And they recap the the handicap match from Fastlane, no better in edited form. And he said on Sunday, he told Kofi he was making a triple threat match for the title, not that Kofi would be in it, and says that everything he does is a teachable moment. And out come the new day. And Big E says, we are not in the mood to learn a damn lesson. They've jumped through every hoop. They do all the meet and greets. They never threaten to leave in any language. And Mm -hmm. yet they are treated like garbage. Kofi's grinded for 11 years. He deserves better. The people are applauding. Vince says, they don't deserve a damn thing. I created Raw. I created SmackDown. I created WrestleMania. And even I don't deserve anything either. Xavier then brings up, that Kingston has beaten past champions, yet never gotten a shot. The audience is demanding it, and they start chanting Kofi. Vince says if Kofi had been worthy of a title match, he would have had one a long time ago. He's an extraordinary talent and a representative of this company. One day you'll be in the Hall of Fame, but you're not going to be going in by yourself. You'll be going in with the New Day. What uh what a slap in the face to any of those group inductees Jeez, this year, way. I know. Holy Christ. Like what a way to just shit on your own Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's one thing for critics to look at the WWE Hall of Fame. It's quite another for the the fucking chairman on his own show to bury his Hall of Fame. Well, I couldn't believe this. He buried like specifically, you know, he he's saying that inductions as a tag team or faction are not worth as much as a singles induction. And no, this this was such it. a just like a <laughs> knock at like your your Chinas or your Billy Guns Stevie and Ray. Stevie Ray. Yeah, um, but I just that uh, what a what a surprising line just if, to, and such an unnecessary line for this. I feel promo. like if it was anybody else but Vince, uh, maybe himself coming up with a line like this or saying this line, like he must have he would have probably had a fit if it was anybody else. Like if it was a think about the this? the explanation that you are not good enough for a title match. But you'll be in our Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great like, point. <laughs> that just seems ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. He said that for someone of Kofi's age, he's very smart because he's got Xavier Woods and Big E, these young bucks, to do all the hard work. And Kofi gets to take the glory as an older guy. How much older is Kofi? Kofi is Kofi 36. Kofi's 37 right now, and then uh, Big E Langston is how much? Big E, I want to say, is around 33. He's 33. <laughs> and Woods is younger. Woods is younger. 
Woods is thirty-two. Wow, a world oh, of only difference, 32. everybody. Okay, five, four. <laughs> like they're they're very close in age. Yeah. <laughs> the young bucks, Xavier Woods and Big E. Okay. Yeah, this was a. Uh, I, I thought it was quite the um, decision to to call out Kofi's age. Like that's a very un WWE thing to do with their baby faces. But, Although I guess they did do that with John Cena of late. But it's an age difference that that isn't even all that big. And, no. like, l- listen, if Kofi Kingston's 37, how old is, like, the rest of their roster? Dude, Daniel Bryan is... Isn't he 37? Yes, he is. So it's the exact same. How old is this Brock is... Lesnar, dude? <laughs> how old is... Oh, anyway. Okay, Paul whatever. and Dave. Yes. So, Bryan apparently told... Vince McMahon, that he feels Kofi Kingston is a good B-plus player. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty good line coming from Brian. Yeah, callback. Kofi then takes the microphone. He says he provides for his family. He gets to do what he loves. He has a blessed life. And he doesn't complain about anything here. He busts his ass when others get their chances. He misses family events. He has never once gone trick-or-treating with his children. Which I thought was like the saddest line on this show. Felt awful for this guy. He has never gone trick-or-treating with his children. It's probably probably something quite universal, don't you think? But has uh, there not has there not been a, a an edition of SmackDown or Raw that hasn't fallen on a Halloween? It's it's probably you would think that there's been in in eleven years, Halloween must have fallen on like a Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, but maybe he's just had promotional appearances. Maybe he's had travel days just those years. Who knows? Hmm. I'm sure it's a true fact. He or, says two, or maybe not. He says that two days ago, his son lost his first tooth, and he didn't get to see the excitement on his son's face when the tooth fairy came. And he asked what he needs to do to prove it, so he can have a title shot. He says the people believe in him. And then, well, before we get to the ending here, what did you think of uh, Kofi's promo at the end? Well, whether or not um, SmackDown or Raw fall, fell on a on a Halloween uh, or didn't fall on a Halloween over the past 11 years, that's kind of besides the point. I thought Kofi's promo was fantastic. I thought uh, Woods and Biggie before them, before him, their pleas to Vince were also just full of passion. Again, like these are not the pancake guys. These are like... This was like a serious side of all of them, like a desperate side of all of them. Um, all three of them did tremendous. Kofi was just like very personal and very heart-wrenching in his delivery. I thought he was great. Um, Vince, I've kind of felt like it was Vince just kind of playing generic, like, you know, Mr. McMahon. Um, but, you know, he had to be there. It had to be Vince McMahon for a segment like this. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, so it ends with... Randy Orton coming out, and Vince explains all he has to do is beat Orton to go to WrestleMania. Then Samoa Joe comes out. He says you have to beat him too. Then the bar, and then Rowan. So next week, it's Kofi Kingston in a gauntlet match in Indianapolis against these five opponents. And the show ended with a fight in the ring with the New Day against the gauntlet opponents, and the New Day fought them off. So Kofi has to run the gauntlet next week. To go to WrestleMania. This is going to be insane. Like, first of all, I love the challenge. I love the obstacle. It's like the type of challenge you would get in a video game. And, uh, I mean, I think 
you're going to have to expect Kofi. Are we going to get another hour-long performance from him? This should go very long. Yeah. I mean, you also have, like, you know, certainly Rowan can be beaten. The bar can be beaten. Joe, you might be looking Joe to Joe and Orton are, pri- are primary guys for mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's going to be interesting how that is handled. That's right. Yeah. I mean, certainly, like, you have guys like AJ who will probably, you know, be a factor to cause some type of finish. But I I love the setup. Like, and I, it makes me very excited for, for the next edition of SmackDown because it completely puts Kofi Kingston in that main character uh, you know, hero's role where he has this just like completely impossible odds to overcome. During this promo, it brought me back to like, this is going to be the most amazing thing if Kofi Kingston wins the title at WrestleMania. And it's only because of this one moment I had the last time WrestleMania was at MetLife Stadium. And I went to the bathroom and Kofi is in the washroom and what he we were in like the the media like box or whatever so it's like it's this big washroom and kofi's in there in his suit and then he's going to like the it just like dry his hands and a little kid is there and recognizes kofi and asks him who are you facing tonight no and kofi says not this year Oh, this year. That is so sad. <laughs> I was like, oh man. Damn. And to think that now he could return to that same stadium way and win the title at WrestleMania. I mean, the greatest story of all time. Well, I hope that, you re- I, I just was like immediately remembered that during this promo tonight that it was in MetLife Stadium that that took place. Well, I hope you run into Kofi in the bathroom again this year and that little kid can come back. Ask that same question. If I run into Kofi this year, I'm going to share with him that story. Which yeah. he probably doesn't even remember, but I I remember it so clearly because it was like the saddest moment as he's explaining like he's not even booked on the show. Yeah, and he should have said I, that. I, in, I think he was like doing like the kickoff show, like he was just like a panelist. Yes, he was. Yeah, he should have said that in this promo. Well, maybe he's forgotten. Maybe I need to remind him. I'll uh, I'll try and get get my people to contact him. So. Uh, that was the end, so we got the gauntlet match uh, next week, which could probably take up uh, a sizable portion of the show. And, yeah, I mean, we've only got three episodes left, so they've, they've yeah. kind of got to get all this stuff uh, into gear. There's still, I would say, questions regarding the tag titles, the U.S. title, the women's title, and I don't know how much advancement we're going to get next week if the gauntlet's taking up, I don't know, an hour is a long time, but... It is five matches, potentially. It also means, you know, if Kofi wins next week, that they only really have two weeks to build up the match with Brian, you know? Like, Brian hasn't necessarily targeted Kofi Kingston specifically in any of this. Obviously, with Fastlane in the way, he really couldn't. But, you know, remember, like, when they when like we kind of initially felt like this could be the program, the amount of, like, ammunition somebody like Daniel Bryan would have against the New Day for how wasteful they are with pancakes and all this other bullshit... Like, we haven't really gotten any of that fun stuff yet, so maybe, you know, the week Wait, after. Wait, they're catering this to you. They're giving you your two-week build that you have demanded. That's right, yes. Sure. So, uh, that was SmackDown. I thought the uh, the combination of Kofi Kingston, Orton Styles, uh, Shane McMahon, I thought we got some really good promos with mm-hmm. some build-up to uh, WrestleMania. Uh, I thought that all of those programs kind of took a step forward. Um, so I, I enjoyed that. I thought that the tag match uh, was very good with uh, with Joe and Andrade against Ray and Truth. 
Uh, eight man was going fine until you got the non finish at the end. Um, so overall, I thought this was a pretty good episode of SmackDown. I did too. I I um, I liked almost pretty much like everything with the exception of what we saw with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville and Asuka. Yeah. And I thought Charlotte and Becky, you know, they were fine. But I would just say that that whole thing feels rather flat in comparison to everything else that we got on this show. Uh, everything else I feel, feel like is, you know, off to a really good start or uh, in the case of something like Kofi Kingston near sort of the crescendo. So um, I would say a good addition to SmackDown. And of course, Vince McMahon really putting over the Hall of Fame. Oh, that too. That was the best. <laughs> that was what a line. What an unbelievable line. All right, well, let's go to the forum and uh, check in on people. What, what are you giving this one, Way You're going high. I go seven and a half, and I'm nice, so I will round up to an eight. 6.82 is what everyone voted on, so higher than Raw. Chris from Pennsylvania writes in, I thought WWE hit a home run with every one of their big angles tonight. Shane opened the show with a pretty good heel promo, but by the end of the night, it was probably the fourth best thing on the show. I thought Becky and Charlotte had a really, really good exchange that hopefully signals the women's title program will be getting back on track. Randy and AJ were both amazing with their promos, with Randy having a completely valid reason for not liking Styles. I thought for sure that was going to be the highlight of the night until the closing segment. Love the fire from the New Day, and Kofi's performance was phenomenal. Easily 10 out of 10 for me. Please, more shows like this heading into WrestleMania. Jalen from Pickering says, It's dawned on me that basically all the best promo people are on SmackDown, and I'm very okay with that. I hope the Usos get a decent amount of time for their Mania match. These guys have been killing it, and them versus The Bar, New Day, and Hardys in a TLC match would be great. Banger of a show overall. I'm glad that at least one brand can competently build feuds when there's time. It also kind of reminds me, what Jalen says, that you know we are kind of seeing the last weeks of this these current iterations of these brands with the brand split. Uh, or the shakeups happening soon, um, you know. I don't think the 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 identity of of each show will change that drastically, but I I feel like SmackDown has had at least in comparison to Raw a very good year, uh, with like to me almost like a lopsided amount of like better talent on SmackDown, and I think we're kind of seeing the last weeks of that. Mm-hmm. And you know something to to point out. Well, we'll kind of get into this on, on the double shot, like with the like the structure of the writing staff. It's that. Not only is like the writing staff writing on both shows, pretty much all the writers are also involved with NXT as well. Um, so like that's something that I, I think people think that there's all these designations that there there really aren't. It's like it is the writing staff and it's spread out over these three shows. Yeah. How do you explain the difference in quality? I, I think it comes down to what is like at the end of it, it's it's the shows that are presented and, and what Vince McMahon goes with and and what he doesn't. I mean, we've certainly seen SmackDown episodes that have not been stellar either, but certainly it seems of late it's been a much more consistent run on SmackDown. And, and I think just just typically you hear more of those stories about Raw being changed at the last minute. And I, I think that there is more. There's always going to be more attention on Raw, and I think at times uh, maybe second-guessing where, where they're going with certain things. Where SmackDown, it's the show, it's it's Tuesday, it's like here it is, and you get a more simple, straightforward show. Most weeks, I find. Uh, Rob from Mississauga. Is it just me, or does this year's WrestleMania have the chance to become the most oversaturated WrestleMania of all time? If you add up all of the announced matches, likely title matches, and battle royals, then we're looking at 17 matches this year. 
Will WrestleMania be eight years, eight hours long? Probably. If you guys are making the decisions, then what would you guys try to condense on this card? And he's got a list here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we're getting 17 matches. Um, there are a lot of titles, and I don't think every title will be defended on the show. No, and I think in some of these you could see like uh, combinations here, like where you have unknown opponents. I mean, you could see some of – like I don't, I don't see the Revival and the Usos having individual title defenses. Uh, I don't see Bobby Lashley having a singles match for the IC title. Um, you know, Asuka's a big question mark as well. Um, it's going to be a lengthy, lengthy show. Last year had what fourteen matches, so that's what that's the ballpark you're looking at. Um, I would say seventeen is probably more than I'm expecting. Wow, that's that's going to really be a lot. It, it wouldn't surprise me if there's fourteen or fifteen matches, and yeah, it's going to be super long. <laughs> Everyone knows, like that's the game with WrestleMania. Everyone knows what you're getting at WrestleMania. It yeah. is going to be the excessive show of the year. Even if we're not getting seventeen matches, as Rob has listed out here, even the possibility of like. 13 feels like it's a lot so can they possibly because like he you know like rob's not like really making any great leaps here he's only like listing what storylines have either uh confirmed or or or, you know are telling us that they're they're uh to 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 assume and also all the titles so that means uh, at least more than one title might not get a spot on the show or they're going to have to condense some of these storylines like kurt angle and oh, who else? Who else? You know, I think Angle going for the IC title, like you suggested, that might make sense. You know, in a multi-man match, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, we got an MJ who says tonight. Tonight's episode got me so very excited for WrestleMania, mostly because of AJ and Randy cutting fire promos on each other. A few weeks ago, I thought they'd feel like an afterthought, but I'm genuinely very excited for that match and next few weeks of trash talk. Kofi's facials the last two nights have been spectacular. The joy he showed coming out last night and his look tonight while staying silent, really an underrated aspect of this push. Becky was good in a short dose tonight. Ray was wearing a seriously questionable outfit. Shades of Doug Funny with his underpants on over his suit. All right, we go to Cash. Just a great episode of SmackDown with one single purpose, setting up WrestleMania. New Day promo. Wow. Slightly off topic. The way those three, uh, lead by Kofi's Twitter statement, handled themselves after Hogan's reinstatement was just pure class. Made me a fan of them for life. I smile because it feels like the stars finally aligned and this is some sort of poetic justice. Mania will be a 129-hour show. We definitely have time to watch a Cinderella story for part of it. I'd love a five-way ladder match for the SmackDown tag titles with the Usos bar... Rusev and Nakamura, Hardys, and the New Day. Open Mania with that. I don't recall the Usos and New Day ever being in a ladder match throughout their now four-year feud. Randy and AJ promo was fine, but both brought it. Becky entertains. Just let her talk like this. I laugh and then remember how much I miss her Instagram stories. I legit have nothing negative to say about this episode. Excited me for Mania to the extent that I'm thinking of booking last-minute tickets to New York City for this. Maybe a good idea to just not watch the product between now and Mania so I can ignore anything that may happen to ruin this high point. Eight and a half out of ten. Well, if this show uh, has sent Cash to have an unexpected trip to New York, I, mean, I guess the show succeeded tonight. Brandon from Oshawa. I really don't know what Kevin Owens does at WrestleMania. I think it's clear now that the WWE title match will be one-on-one. I don't see where else Owens fits. Is Sami Zayn ready yet? 
Maybe those two team up and go after the tag titles? They'd fit in great with the Usos, the Bar Rick, Black Ricochet, and whoever else. Styles and Orton stole the show for me tonight. I already wanted to see that match and was glad they held off from doing it in Fastlane, but tonight really kicked it up a notch. I know it will never happen, but I would love to see vignettes over the next few weeks of Randy Orton showing up at some random indie companies and beating the shit out of random indie workers. Maybe even bring in some of Styles' old TA, TNA opponents like Jerry Lynn or someone. <laughs> None of this is happening. <laughs> or someone and have Orton easily take care of them. As good as tonight was, I want more than them repeating the same promos week after week or interfering in each other's matches. Yeah. Uh. Um, I've, <laughs> I'm trying to just, I've, I, love, I like fantasizing about a scenario like that. Which independent wrestling promotion would... Maybe he'll show up at spring break. Randy Orton. <laughs> um, like he would have a blast WrestleMania weekend. Oh, I, I think Randy, he's in his element with, with this feud. Yeah. All right. Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest Canadian college hoops heads. Been a minute since we spoke. So sorry for how brief my call was a fortnight ago. My phone had a bad connection and I was disconnected. Weird, <laughs> huh? Anywho, SmackDown was great promo-wise. Could do without the multi-person matches tonight, but c'est la vie. No Ronda and her Devil May Cry 5 promos, but it was understandable. Otherwise, a fun show setting up a very long and arduous WrestleMania. Some meanderings. Oh, who wasn't available for the gauntlet next week? Scott Steiner? He makes my botchamania joke. Wayne and John, sorry about Ryerson. Do you think the Dinos can continue their march to the title against Carlton? I took the over. <laughs> is, that I, I assume, the, is that I assume the Ryerson Rams are playing basketball. That's the only guess I can make about this. Uh, Brandon is way more up on our university's athletics than we are. are they the Unless di- you're following them, way I don't want to speak for you. Are they the Dinos now? Uh, maybe. They were the Rams. Have they changed? I don't know. I don't care. Ryerson Rams. I think they're the Ryerson Rams, yes. Who the fuck knows? Okay. Uh, way give me what I want. I love you guys. I'm out of here. Peace. All right. Be always entertaining, Brandon from New Jersey. I love Brandon when he comes on at the end. Got to pick your spots. That's yeah. all. It's like booking a card together. You don't start off with the. Uh... He's dessert. Okay, he's like the weird dessert that you know looks interesting on paper, but when you taste it. Like I once had uh like seaweed ice cream. Like it sounds interesting and like I gotta try it at least once and then you have it and you're like Don't really need to try this again. Sounds but, awful. Uh, yeah. But uh you know once in a while I am curious. So that's what Brandon from New Jersey is. Seaweed ice cream. On that note, we are gonna bid everyone a farewell. Waiting is well, he's hopping onto the double shot with me, but uh, we'll be back on Friday for Rewind Away, so Post Wrestling Cafe members can hear Way uh, later this week. If not, then Way, uh, we will we will hear from you in several weeks' time. Please do return from Hawaii. Don't get too enamored with the wonderful weather down there. Well, thank you so much, John, and uh, I want to thank you first of all for uh, steering the ship and uh, manning the ship and navigating and uh, making sure that the ship is properly fueled and uh, cleaning the, the decks and taking care of basically everything because I won't be touching a thing. So thank you very much uh, in advance. That was a beautiful analogy. I, I'm i great. And that's it. 
We're going to wrap up the show and speak with you soon.